As musicians, we tend to seek out advice on things we should do, a routine we should try, or habits we should add to our practice time. That's great, but maybe the key to really growing as a musician, and more importantly, as a person, is to look inward and find the things that we should stop doing. On this episode, we get all up in our own brain crevices and think about what negative thoughts we struggle with. And we got some help from a fantastic article written by Amy Morin, which is the foundation for her book called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Well, this is indeed the Per Service Podcast, a place where we realize that each day, each gig is an opportunity to grow and live a fulfilling life in the arts. Whether you're a full-time musician, a weekend warrior, or a student, we're glad that you've decided to join us for our conversation. We're not pretending that we've got it all figured out. In fact, this episode is quite the opposite, but we hope that we can lead by example, and I can't thank my co-hosts enough for being willing to talk about these topics publicly, especially Jess today, who really opens up about what's going on. If you're new to the show and have no idea who we are, you can learn lots more about who we are by visiting perservice.co. You might notice that this is the freelancing-related side of orchestraexcerpts.com, which is a site that I started to help musicians prepare excerpts for orchestra auditions. But in short, your hosts are Anna Luce, a violinist in New York City, Christian Marshall, a violist in Graz, Austria, Jessica Wiersma, a violinist in Indianapolis, Indiana, and me, I'm Michael Giblin, a violinist in Boca Raton, Florida. One last thing is we'd like to thank Fix Music Publishing for providing the hosting for this show. For your sheet music needs, you should go check out fixmusic.com. Fix Music specializes in carrying high-quality editions for instrumentalists and vocalists. With fast and affordable shipping, they have the knowledge of your local music shop without getting paper cuts and the efficiency of a modern e-commerce retailer. As a thank you to our listeners, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code PERSERVICE at checkout. Just go visit fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. Okay, here is the show. All right, guys. We had a good episode last, last, whatever, last week, whenever that was. Yeah. We did. I was inspired. You know, it was really interesting to listen to that episode that we recorded before Jess had a slew of auditions, or maybe she'd already done one when we recorded. But it was really interesting to live through that process with her and then to hear her words of wisdom to the masses um, after seeing how audition weeks played out. Hey, uh, no, I mean, it, I'm laughing because life is weird. Right. And also yeah. because it was truly interesting to be like, she knows exactly everything that's happening right now. But still, it was like it was really hard, right? Well, it was funny because, you know, Michael, you sent us the rough draft or, or whatever. And I started listening to it and I was like, nope, can't do it. It's too real. And I turned it off. Like, I couldn't I couldn't handle it right then. You like, don't want to listen to hearing myself. These things, I was like, no, I can't. Uh, right now. So tell us, can you walk us through uh, what has been going on the last couple of weeks and catch us up to speed? Well, I decided to take a bunch of auditions right in a row. In less than three weeks, I took three auditions. They're pretty big ones. They were all like one week apart, right? It was like Monday, Monday, Monday. Yeah, well, and then my one of mine got moved up. <sighs> so they were less than a week apart. Um, Good grief. I'm still kind of processing the 
the hangover, what I like to call yeah. the audition hangover. I just feel like you do get mentally and emotionally hungover, or at least I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they didn't necessarily go as you would have hoped to. Well, you know, it's interesting. So I decided to, I, I think we talked about this or I talked about this. I just, I prepared very differently for these auditions than I have in the past. And mainly I mean that mentally mm-hmm. and I think it was way healthier this time around, but it doesn't negate the feelings if things don't go your way or if you don't perform the way you know you can. So yeah, no, I definitely didn't perform the way I want to or that I know I can. I really was inspired by our last conversation about the attention you put into taking care of thinking positively and thinking about what you're thinking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was our episode on change and also our our catch up episode. You mentioned a lot about the the positive messages and stuff. And yeah, it's very different for me. I was actually looking at this article. Actually, you sent it to us, Michael. 13 things mentally strong people do. Is that what it was? Yeah. Don't do. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. 13 things mentally strong people do not do. And one of them was, well, there were, there were two that I thought kind of fit together in terms of what we kind of talked about recently, which was they don't waste energy on things they can't control, which really goes back to our change episode. I thought, exactly. mm-hmm. um, and then they also don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. I think that that's interesting because I think we tend to like, Oh, the room was freezing. And cause like there were some conditions that were not ideal that I experienced at these auditions, but everyone is experiencing the same conditions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe we all react physically differently to them or yeah, it's, it's the same temperature for everybody. In the long run, that is not why I didn't win. Like it doesn't matter. Everyone was in the same situation. It just didn't work out for me, you know, but the wasting time on things you can't control. Like that was one of my big things, especially with some of these auditions. You don't know what you, you can't control that. And so I was just kind of like, okay, whatever happens, like you're just going to go with it and it's not going to mentally throw your game. That was one of the things I was trying to improve upon. One of the reasons I was so disappointed is I was think I finally was like, oh, I feel like I finally did things well. I put in the right kind of energy. I practiced so, so much. I was so prepared. You know, so I think I was hoping, obviously, for different results. Well, that's why this this article um, that I came across um, by Amy Morn, it stuck out to me because it's, it's the title, yeah, is 13 Things mentally strong people don't do. And it's like, I think we, we focused so much on all these things that we're supposed to do. Like we're supposed to practice so much. We're supposed to record ourselves. We're supposed to play for other people. We're supposed to visualize and do all these great things. And when things don't go the way we hope there's nothing at that point, it's like, there's nothing more that we can do because well, the audition's over, but there are then I feel like after the audition, there are a bunch of things that we shouldn't do because then it becomes really easy to criticize other people or waste waste our energy blaming things we couldn't control or just being hard on ourselves. And so there's this after reading this, I've sort of been on this kick of looking at things backwards. And so I'm actually writing another article about like how to lose an audition, <laughs> like just just thinking about all the things that we always think about as you should do this, but just thinking of them as, hey, these are things that you shouldn't do. And I think Amy uh, talks about this, that all, all these good things and all these positive things, if we just if we're still doing one of these negative things, they can really completely undo all the positive change that we've been building towards. And 
there was one last thing I was going to say. Hang on. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. I was finally riding the train. No! I believe mentally strong people don't get mad at themselves. <laughs> yeah, I believe, believe mentally strong people definitely don't don't, don't lose their train of thought. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, nice. Um, so I wanted to ask, I think maybe Zana brought it up, like to go through this list and find one of these items that maybe we don't always do so well and find the, the thing that each of us sort of struggle with in terms of negative thinking. And I think actually the kicker is this is really like the deep stuff. And that's really the important work that I think we can do in this on this podcast and in talking about this stuff. It'd be really nice if there were just easy tips and tricks that you could apply to your life. Like, um, you know, oh, make a good looking resume. Just use two fonts and a, and a color that fits with your branding. And really a life in music is not about these little quick tips and tricks and a firm handshake and reply to your email within 20 minutes or whatever. It's that life is full of these ups and downs. And as a musician, there's a lot of downs, not getting completely sunk when bad things happen. And that how you can be a mentally strong musician is something that's really, I think, worth working on. So how about Christian? Did you uh, did you take a look at this list and did you, was there one of them that stuck out to you? Yeah, going through this list, I thought it was really interesting. What I liked about actually the very first one, waste time feeling sorry for themselves. Okay, so mentally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. I had the pleasure of putting this to practice just about a month ago. I had an audition, which I did not win. And I knew that my next audition would be about three weeks later and completely different repertoire list. And because of weddings and other concert obligations, I knew I could only practice 15 of those days. So it wasn't, for example, that I had all of this energy to spend telling myself, oh, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't be upset that someone else won. For example, I told myself, Oh, it didn't matter anyway, because the person who won, it's been subbing there in that position for the last year, like that sort of thing, you know. But what I realized is I had a game plan. I put myself to action doing other things. So, of course, if I'm not going to waste time feeling sorry for myself, it means I'm going to be, quote unquote, spending time doing something else. I think that's the reverse side of this coin. You don't want to waste time feeling sorry for yourself, but that's because you're going to be doing something else. And so what what I did is I reminded myself that um, I had prepared well. I had done all the steps. I had even treated myself to a reward for going through with the audition and having everything prepared on time. And then I got to work. I had made a schedule, got to work on my new program. and. And I think that was really good for me to clean out and sterilize that old mental space, you know, from the previous audition. So I didn't have anything maybe mildewing in the back of my mind to be upset about later. It was no, everything was clean. I put the last audition to rest and then I turned to the new project in front of me. Yeah, I think that's something I really resonate with and something I hope to continue practicing in the future mm-hmm. is, you know, when things don't go my way to kind of analyze the situation, understand it, put it to rest, and then move forward with the new game plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting is that you're talking about cleaning your brain out. And I think (laughs) that that is 
what is absolutely necessary to be a musician, right? In so many ways, because so many negative things happen. And I know, I know that's the case with everyone in their profession, I'm sure, like just combating negativity and unfortunate situations, but it does seem like it's the constant cycle for us. And that's why so many musicians are so crazy and sometimes so depressed, right? I think that's a really great reminder because I think I believe that, but I don't know that I've ever heard it said just like that. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Sterilize that mildew in your brain, man. Yeah. Get some bleach up in there. <laughs> I actually did a ceremonial cleaning of my apartment <laughs> the other week. I'm not yes, kidding she you. Did. Yeah, she did. I it did was a amazing. Cleaning, and part of it was to get all of the prep and I don't know, just everything from the last auditions, like, cause I have new ones coming up. So just get all that old stuff out. Like I literally, if it could move, if it could be carried down to the laundry room, it got washed. Wow. Cause I was like, get it out. It was I ceremonial. Was, I was so proud of her. Also, <laughs> I think that's great. And I'm waiting for a walkthrough to her. So maybe that's what you need to make our Instagram story about today, Jess. Oh, maybe be like Except this is a ceremony. Did you already I muck it up again? The results and then did you mess in. it up again? No, Gibby did. <laughs> Gibby has been ripping <laughs> up one of his toys and there's fuzz everywhere. I got a vacuum today. Oh, that's okay. Clean that's apartment exciting. is a happy apartment. But like Christian, I think that's so smart. We need to give ourselves time. And it's not to say that you're not going to have emotions after things go poorly or... Right. I didn't... Those emotions are good. And I think what you... I mean, they're not good, nice to feel necessarily. But what I'm finding for myself, at least, is to process those emotions. Exactly. But then, but then move on. Exactly. Those emotions we have are real and we have a right to have them. And I think that's good. But do I have the emotions or do they have me? Whoa. I have them. I feel them. I analyze them, process them, understand them. They served their purpose. You right. know, I felt what I was supposed to feel. And then I could go back to being active, being in charge, doing something. Absolutely. That's what I think Amy talks a little bit about when terrible things are happening or maybe not, maybe not even terrible, just like sad things. Reaching for something positive, even when terrible things are happening is something she talks about. But it's I almost say like, take that with a grain of salt, because there are a lot of people that will just be like, oh, this all this terrible stuff happened. But hey, I'm feeling good and it's OK. And growing up in Christian subculture land, we hear a lot of this like, oh, you know, all this stuff is going terrible, but God is good. And, and a lot of times that comes off as just like, I don't think you've really processed what is happening. Not that God is good and God isn't in control in all these situations, but sometimes it's like, whoa, it's okay if you need to like really process the emotions and feel that and not just pretend it didn't happen. Right. Michael, I think what you're, cause I totally agree with you. And I think what I have always taken away from that is kind of like, is people being dismissive of what you're really feeling and also kind of shaming you mm -hmm. and feel, saying you shouldn't be feeling those things. Mm -hmm. Right. That's kind of how I have always interpreted that. And that's why I think in the past, I've kind of not been real with my, with other people about what I have been feeling or even with myself. And then I think that's built up mm -hmm. until I had my final explosion about it like last year. So I just think that there's no shame in feeling those things. And you're completely right. If you just are looking for the pot, I'm not to say not looking, don't look for the positive, but don't dismiss what you're feeling. You're feeling it for a reason. Maybe, yeah. and maybe that reason is because you have a flawed thought process. I mean, that could be, but you're not going to discover that flawed thought process. Unless you 
work through those feelings. Mm -hmm. Even that will help you handle things differently the next time. All of this is great. I was reading through the list also and thinking like, man, this ties to uh, everything. Great. It was hard to pick one to dwell on. But I think in my life, I have the most difficulty with people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I just calls me out on this a lot. Because I have a little bit of an issue of like trying to do everything for everybody sometimes. Um, She's silently nodding. But I don't know that I have one instance. I was trying to think of one time that was like really bad that I people pleased and it was a horrible idea. But I I can't find one because there's so many. But it's just like a general way of living. And honestly, thinking about it from last night to this morning, I'm like, man, I got a real problem. And I think it's changed recently for me because I'm sick of doing things for people I don't really care about. Honestly, that sounds terrible. But I think there has been a shift for me where I am more willing to put in time regardless of what I'm given back to certain people that I really care about. And I care, you know, like I've made connections and that could go into a whole nother topic of like, who's in your inner circle and all that. But it's just like a general way of living. You know, you have to take every gig, you have to do everything and you have to be kind throughout the whole process and go over the top and give the extra mile and that is really damaging and can burn you out big time. Yeah, which is tricky, I feel, because it's like there is a little bit of that. That's true. And when you're at a gig, like you do need to be nice to basically yeah. everybody. Actually, one of the things I was thinking about when I read that, if I was applying it specifically to like audition stuff, was that I know there are certain people you all know. They will try to literally change how they play things for every single orchestra that they audition for to people, please. Because like, oh, this is how this orchestra plays so i'm gonna do it that way and i just think that just doesn't work out i think yeah i mean obviously if there are places that have like a specific sound i'm not saying don't try to do that but sorry no i think such an interesting process for me because it's really brought up a lot of things about personal that are not music related for me it's so anyway also don't you think when an audition doesn't go well if you're a people pleaser that's an epic version of people pleasing failure. Yeah. Or, or I mean, your people pleasing come to light because in essence you want people to like you and hire you. So it's all right related. Well, and I think what's worse is it's one thing to go somewhere and play an audition where you don't know anybody and be like, Oh shoot. Didn't get it. It's another thing to know every single person on the panel and the proctor and all that, and then to not play well. And then you're just like embarrassed and humiliated. I think partly because of what you said, Anna, because you want them to like you because you want them to hire you. Sure. And so like in that way, it can permeate throughout your entire musical life. I've realized, I've come to realize how that was damaging to me and it was draining me and wasn't worth it because Mm -hmm. not not everyone's going to love how I play or not everyone's going to want to be my best friend. And that's totally fine. But for some reason I like started out thinking that that was necessary. And now like I'm so different. Well, because you have, you know why? why? Because now you have the wisdom. Oh yeah. Cause I'm 32. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Now Maybe. you have the wisdom. That's you have you have wasn't you have the knowledge, right? Was your posting. I, got the knowledge. I have the knowledge and the I have the wisdom. Know, the less you don't know. Michael, I think it's your turn, Michael. Ooh, okay. Michael, what is your chosen topic? So I was reading through the list and one that sort of jumped out of me says that mentally strong people don't resent other people's success. I guess in hindsight, I realize I did. I don't think I, I don't think I realized that I do it so much in the present, but 
When I first moved to Nashville, there was the Nashville Symphony Sublist audition, and I didn't really know anybody. I didn't. It was really just a couple months after I had moved there, and it didn't go well for for lots of reasons. Mostly because I didn't read the list that said actually in the audition they're just starting at the second excerpt. They're not going to hear the first excerpt. And I went in and played the first excerpt, and they yelled at me and said, "Stop! Like play the play the list." <laughs> and I was like confused. I called the proctor over, and it was just just. It was just like downhill from that because like as soon as you start you st- you play two notes and the panel starts yelling at you things are gonna go well right so um, but anyways so I mean that was all on me but you know over the next few weeks I started figuring out who did well and who was starting to get called and and there were two people that I like learned their names I didn't and the thing was. I didn't know them at all. And it was, it was my friend Chuck and my friend Adrian. They did really well and started getting called. And, and, and then a couple weeks or a couple months later, there was also a contract in Chattanooga. And my friend Chuck, again, did really well. It might have been the other way around, but I think they were, both auditions were really close to each other. He did really well there. And I started subbing in Chattanooga. And actually... I started driving and started carpooling with Chuck back and forth a lot and I really got to know him. And I realized he was a nice guy. And actually, after years and years and years of being in Nashville, he he called me for weddings. He called me for he started his own projects and would call me to sub. And he was like a fine, fine person. But for for the first couple of months while I was there, I really sort of, I think, was resenting that they did so well and that these people that I didn't really know, I just knew their names and it was just spending all those months thinking that they were not worthy of being called or that I really should have been there did nothing for my success in trying to actually eventually get called and get to know them. Somehow it was, I was lucky enough that when I finally did meet them and I finally got to know them, that I was nice to them and not rude to them because eventually we became really good friends. But looking back at it, there was a period of time where I, I really was just unfair and I was really only hurting myself. I think that a lot of people struggle with, especially in the freelance department, you know, because so many times it's, I mean, it's just tricky. There are only so many gigs and there are more people than there are spaces for. And so I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah. While I was going through this list, the very last one. So mentally strong people don't expect immediate results. This one hurts a bit because all the others on the list, I can be like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of like that. Like, I'm mentally strong because I don't do that either. Or, nope, I don't do that either. And I would never do that. And then I get to this one and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so because quite often I do expect immediate results. And I'm just going to read this out so our our listeners can, can hear what she says. Wouldn't it be nice if everything in life could happen at the touch of a button? We often grow so accustomed to our no lines, no waiting world that our brains begin to believe that everything should happen instantaneously. But self-growth develops at more of a snail's pace rather than at lightning speed. Whether you're trying to lose weight or develop a more gracious attitude or a soft and flexible bow hold, slow and steady wins the race and expecting immediate results will only lead to disappointment. Mentally strong people know that true change takes time and they're willing to work hard to see results. 
I added the part about the bow hold. <laughs> but I just think it really makes you sense. Dare. I did. Because it, I think, it, you know, it's exactly like that. Like us being musicians, it takes time. And it's about, you know, slow and mindful practicing and work and this sort of thing. And the world I live in, and I assume you three do as well, and as most of our listeners, like we want the instant gratification. We want, you know, to push the button and the finished prepared meal pops out of the machine. That's how we live. But our art and our craft and therefore our careers don't work like that. And so what pieces of advice would you guys give me if I'm wanting to increase my mental strength so that I don't expect immediate results in, yeah, in my musical world or in my, in my journey of, you know, becoming a better musician? I think that's something we all struggle with. Again, I'm just saying we all struggle with all the things and I'm just making blanket statements. You're welcome. The expecting immediate results thing maybe goes along with mentally strong people don't expect that the world owes them anything. Mm -hmm. Or at least for me, it kind of goes along with that one because this is not a craft for most of us that just is immediate or, you know, we didn't all pick up our instrument and just know how to play it. So we've already spent a lot of time and energy on our craft. And so now we want to see the results. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we might find that we do expect that the world owes us something because we're like, Oh, I've been practicing for 45 years. I want this job now or whatever, you know? And I think sometimes we feel like in this person who won it has only been practicing for 43 years. You know what I'm saying? I think that right. sometimes that can happen. Maybe it's important sometimes to set smaller goals for us within the larger goal mm -hmm. so that we can see our progress. What was your question? <laughs> There was a yeah, reason just, I was saying these things. Just like what um, sort of advice would you give me to increase my mental strength in expecting immediate right. results so that I, that I develop more patience, you know, when I'm preparing a new music right. or, or trying to fix something I in my playing. I think that's having smaller goals within that, whatever your big goal is. So if your big goal is to not expect immediate results, but what results can you expect sooner than later? You know, what can you work on mm -hmm. while you're working on that bigger goal? Yeah, this is hard. It's a hard. I think this one is really, I think because it's so countercultural, because our culture really is about as quick and efficient and no effort and no investment. Just get it. But also like we all have been working for years. Of course, I don't expect immediate results. I've been doing this since I was five. Like right, if I expected, right. you know, but so then I'm like, okay, so this is now I'm trying to prepare in this new way. This should have gone better. But then right. I realized I am trying to undo years of negative mental things. Like it's not going to all be out of my system the first time I try something new. Right. So right. you can keep like, you still have your default mode and I have trained my default mode to be negative thoughts about myself and my plane. And so then when you get into those nervous, you know, high, heightened experiences, you have to combat those negative thoughts. I don't know. Never mind. I'm <laughs> no, you're so right. I, I feel like you were going somewhere good there. Are you sure you don't well, want to finish it? It take, for example, Christian's bow hold thing. If you've been playing with a bad bow hold for years, it's not going to just 
go away like in your first performance after working on a bowl hold. It's not going to just be the most perfect bowl hold. Can we not call not it my bowl hold? Because I'm happy with mine. But no, I'm, <laughs> I said you're, 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 okay. The example restart. I brought up. <laughs> restart. Christian's bowl hold for the record is great. Um, no, but just like when you're working on physical things, technique wise, you have to undo that bad form. And that takes time when you're, and I think the same is true for thought processes, your negative thoughts, whatever. It takes time to undo those things. And so if you have spent years, maybe like I have, you know, it's not just like on the stage. It's while you're practicing being like, oh, that was gross. Oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? It takes time to undo those thought processes. They're not going to go away just in the first practice session that you decide to change. And so when you have your first stressful experience, you know, so I practiced for probably like two months working on this mental thing, but then you get into your first experience and it doesn't go how you want. The default mode is to go back to those negative thoughts. Right. And that's what you really have to fight. And it's really difficult. And so I think for me, I was expecting different results from these auditions because I did things so differently. But then I realized I have spent years doing things this one way and it's silly right. to expect that after only two months of working on something <clears throat> that all of that stuff is going to be gone. Because what I've also realized is that those thoughts have not just permeated my violin life. They've permeated my life. Yeah. And how you do something in one area of your life is how you do something in every area of your life. Mm -hmm. So not only are you having to undo expectations continuously, you're having to replace bad habits with good habits. Yes. And in that, we cannot be like every other millennial, which sadly, I think each of us are millennials, which is, <laughs> I thought maybe we were too old, but we're not. Well, we're like, like on the, the cusp. We're not yeah, too I'm old. Yeah, I'm kind of right on the cusp. We're, yeah. I'm not too old to be a millennial. Don't tell me that. Anyway. We're millennials ruining the world. Come on. Well, millennials ruling the world with their sense of entitlement. And that's exactly our problem. And I don't know if musicians experience this. I'd like to think it was just easy and fun for the musicians that came before us, the generations, because <laughs> there were more jobs. And I know that may not be true. But I mean, you know, we really do have a big task ahead. I feel like all of these points lead back to this. We have a sense of entitlement. We think that if we work hard, it's going to happen immediately. It's not. So we have to constantly break down our expectations. And that's been true for me my whole adult life. I'm over it. You're so right, Jess. You have to like replace bad habits with good habits. And it's not going to happen even over the course of two months, like you said. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen her change her thought patterns. And it's been really cool to watch that like she's definitely approaching auditions differently. And I was even like, oh, great. So she's going to win this one because her brain's different. You yeah. know? It's, I mean, it feels like it should be because it is. Well, and I have to say that like after... The, so because I did these auditions like so close together, I really didn't have time to process each one. And so then it like hit me all together. And mm. I think the last audition was like a week and a half ago. And I am just now finally starting to get back on the like, okay, remember what you've been working on? It was hard. She was down for the count for a second. I was just starting to get back. And the ceremonial cleaning was my first step. But then I was really tired the next day, so I didn't do much. Yeah, no, I mean the instant... <laughs> <laughs> instant fixing would be nice but that's what it just sounds like yeah the the mini failures or just the i don't know it's not even failure it's just when things don't go your your way are opportunities to learn what you have to do 
next or what you have to do differently. And it's like, that's part of the growing process. Yeah. Well, and even calling it a failure, like, I'm not sure I'm, I'm into that anymore. I mean, I feel like it. And I like, of course, tell people, oh, you know, just three failures in a row. No big deal. Like, you know, trying to like joke around or whatever. Yeah. I was trying to find a better word for it or just like the, well, the here's the thing though, because there's a winner and then there is everyone else. You do feel like it's a failure. You, it's something you've worked so hard for, you've poured everything into it and then you don't get it. And you're like, okay, I just failed. Cause that's definitely what I was feeling afterwards. And, you know, and it's annoying because then I was trying to find, okay, but what were the positives? What are the victories actually that I took away from this? Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I'm trying to say, oh, it's okay. I didn't get it because look at this personal victory I had in this area of my life. And I feel like other musicians are going to look at that and be like, oh, that's just what you're telling yourself. So you don't feel as bad about not getting the job or something. And you know, like I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, I'm not there yet, but I'm trying to get to the point where I'm like, I don't care what other people think. That is not true. I do care what other people think, but I'm trying to get to the point where I don't (laughs) care as much about what they think in these types of situations. If somebody wants to look at me and say, she didn't get it. And she's just trying to give herself consolation by saying, but look at this other area that I improved upon during this process. I'm trying to not let that stuff bother me. That's really difficult, but that's kind of where my new thing is. Also perfection. I'm trying to get rid of it. Screw perfection. Well, that's, that's next week. (laughs) It's a tricky topic to be like, you know, what are the things that we need to stop doing to be successful? And I think that's why Mm -hmm. it maybe took us a while to get places this episode, (laughs) because it's hard to dig into the depths of your brain and realize (laughs) what you're doing poorly. That's so deep set, you know? And I think like each of us has our hangups and multiple hangups. We, we only picked one per person, but Let's face it, we've got more. And yeah. I think everyone listening too, you got to get up in there. You got to get in there. Find those crevices. Well, and, and I it think it's very personal and it can get very uncomfortable, you yeah. know, even for yourself. Like, even if you're just acknowledging things to yourself, it can get real uncomfortable. The article touches on this too that these are the types of discussions you have to have with yourself, even though they're long and make you weary, to create a vulnerable and authentic life. Like, you have to be vulnerable enough to get there with yourself and like the four of us are doing it with each other and people that are listening. Um, and it's going to lead us to an authentic life. Right. And that's what we want. I know that those words are thrown around ad nauseum. Everyone's like, I'm so authentic (laughs) over hearing it. But I do think that it's true and meaningful, which makes me very excited about our next episode, which I'm personally so (sighs) pumped about because I don't know. Should we tell them? I think we should. Or will they not tune in? Well, now we have to because... Well, they're going to tune in because Michael's wife is going to be with us. And she's a licensed mental health professional. (laughs) Woohoo! Is she going to fix our brain? She might. (laughs) Woohoo! I love it. Guys, we're going to talk about empathy and it's going to be amazing. I already know it. Yeah. I'm excited. I might not even show up. I just might have her come on instead. <laughs> instead of me. Yeah, Michael's going to take this, basically. this one out. <laughs> She's the more vocal one of, of us. So. Well, and actually, next time we record, maybe it'll be um, when Jess and I are together. So it might just be a real rollicking time. Oh, we're going to watch Anchorman together. And it's going to eat Doritos and drink cheap wine. It's going to be so good. We're going to relive the past. Yeah. But not dwell on it. But not dwell on it. Just <laughs> recreate it to the best of our abilities. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes, and I I won't be envious of your uh, happy times. Well, either. you and Christian just had happy times, and we, we weren't did. there. We had to watch it from afar. Well, I I was bringing That's it back true. to my 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 topic that I had. I'm not resenting you guys for yeah. being happy no, together. I Thank in you. I appreciate it, but I was resenting you and Christian <laughs> when I saw you on the beach. <laughs> it was kind of fabulous. You guys, it looked super fun. Thanks. Can't believe you're hanging out without us. Let's okay, get out of here. I got to go to Ireland. Go to Ireland. Stop bragging. The jig. I just really want Michael to cue a jig. It, it is now in the soundtrack. Oh, Michael is currently dancing a jig, but no one can see except us. That was great. Okay. I hope it's Irish washer women. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Michael Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Weersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. well that is our show folks again a big thank you to jess for being willing to talk so openly about everything you can find that complete list of the 13 things mentally strong people don't do written by amy morin on our show notes page it's perservice.co slash 33 we really appreciate you joining us but what about you now What negative thoughts are you struggling with? I bet there's one you could pinpoint, and just becoming more aware of it is a great first step in letting it go. We would love to hear from you. If this podcast has been enjoyable or helpful to you, would you help us out and leave us a review or a rating in iTunes? The algorithms love ratings and reviews. And if there's one thing we love, it's algorithms. I I mean, helping musicians? Yeah. And this show is made possible by the support of listeners just like you. We especially would like to thank Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lovengood, Sarah Lee, and Ann Brigerman for their generosity in supporting us each month on patreon.com the show will always be free but by making a financial contribution you can help us make the show better and maybe more often just search for our show on patreon.com and of course a link for that is in the show notes page per service.co slash 33 i leave you with one final quote from amy morin she says when you give up the things that are holding you back you can accomplish incredible feats Well, thanks again for joining us. Until next time, be well and practice well. (laughs) That was the best I could do on the fly. It was not very good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good.